0: Welcome to the learning to slay the beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome like anxiety, health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Happy New Year again, and welcome back to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm happy to connect with you this week. So maybe in terms of the New Year resolution time, you have uh, things that you would like to do around emotional eating. Some of us are still working on this area, and whether that's working to accept where we're at, working to make changes. We can always use a little bit of a boost, and if that's your focus, then this is the episode for you. So this week, we are going to be speaking with Jessica Prosini. She has a website called escapefromemotionaleating.com, and she is the founder of Escape from Emotional Eating. She's working particularly with high-achieving women trying to heal the roots of emotional eating and working to help them move beyond that. She talks with us about her background and how she got interested in this topic and then some of the difficulties around emotional eating and why it's so challenging for so many of us. Um, I you know, talk a little bit about my experience as well in terms of restriction and overindulgence and how this can be quite a challenging um, piece to get into and then of course we start to talk about those tools so if this is something that you're interested in and i'm sure that it will be please enjoy this podcast episode on how to escape emotional eating with jessica prosini so welcome jessica to the podcast i'm happy to connect with you today
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So we're going to talk about escaping emotional eating. Why don't you start a little bit with providing us some information about your background?
1: Sure. So I'm Jessica Persini. I am the founder and leader of Escape from Emotional Eating. And since About 2011, I have been helping women who strive for excellence heal the roots of their emotional eating so they can embody their full potential. And this journey really started, um, well, I used to have this thing with granola, a seemingly healthy food, um, but when I would eat it, I could go through an entire bag in a matter of seconds. And it wasn't until I woke up from this food trance that I was looking around and wondering what happened and who ate all my food. Mm -hmm. Um, And the truth is that that didn't happen just with granola. That happened with a lot of things. And it would get worse and worse, especially during times of stress or overwhelm or when life got busy or crazy. Um, I just found myself reaching for food more and more to really take the edge off, to try to numb how fried my nervous system felt all the time, um, and also to kind of give me a little boost to just push through it all. Um, And I was always interested in health and wellness. So as I just really explored those passions, I ended up going back to nutrition school, and unknowingly, because we weren't educated appropriately around emotional eating, um, I ended up binge eating my way through nutrition school. So I came out on the other side um, with such extensive knowledge of, um, you know, holistic health, But here I was emotionally eating and just really seeing my relationship with food get worse and worse as I got older. Um, And I kind of came to this moment of like, is this as good as it gets? Like, is this just going to get worse as I get older? Is, am I kind of stuck with this for the rest of my life? Um, Like, what's wrong with me? Um, Just really feeling like like something has to change because I just I just didn't want to imagine that things were going to get worse because they were already so chaotic and um my relationship with food was like this secret that I was that I was keeping and I knew that it was only a matter of time um, before it was like unkeepable. Like I, it was only a matter of time. So I kind of came to this realization of like, well, I, I've gone through hundreds of hours of therapy. I, you know, I am a health and wellness expert at that point And, and I just, I can't get it together. Um, and I was like, I, I really saw like two choices. I could either just kind of, resign and be like, okay, like this is as good as it's going to get. And, um, you know, this is just something I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life, or I could do whatever it takes to figure this out. And even though I didn't really know what that meant at the time, I just really felt like I'm going to do whatever it takes. Um, and that's really when I, just committed at a whole new level and started exploring my relationship with food—the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual—and um, started to find pieces that no one was really talking about, um, like the mental and emotional connection to food, the psychology of food, um, how energy and you know uh, emotions impact our relationship with food, how generational things impact our relationship with food. I was like sitting on this this information and when I started to apply it to myself, I started to get better and I started to feel a lot more peace and empowerment and freedom around food. Um and that was when I started hearing from people in my life. They were like, "What are you doing? You look Amazing, you look happy, you, like something is changing. Um, and I so I just started to like talk about my emotional eating and talk about you know what I was learning and what I was going through. And and people started being like, You I need you to help me. I need you, I need your help. And that's really how I got my first clients. Um, and I'll fast forward 12 years. Um, I am fully free from emotional eating. Um, this work I do now is called escape from emotional eating. I have multiple programs. I've worked with hundreds of people on a very high level, um, and have helped hundreds of people heal their relationship with food. And that's kind of what we, what brought me here today to this conversation.
0: That's great. And I think that's a really powerful story that I'm sure a lot of people can totally identify with. I think, you know, it was really interesting that you that you mentioned the granola piece, like because, yeah, that's typically seen as a healthy food and and people get in their mind that like, oh, somebody who's um, binging or having, you know, an excessive amount of something, you know, it's going to be junk. And it's like, that's not always true. It might be oh, like no. a safe health food that they consider safe, but then, you know, you still um, end up having the that type of a, 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 a relationship with it. So I think that's a really good example because it kind of goes against kind of the commonly... Uh, known things and I think um, even you know your reference to secret like there's that's always something in terms of food like that secret keeping um, Mm -hmm. secret eating I've heard you know right Um, so really really interesting and that you decided to you know take that therapy and and kind of brave be so brave as to Say I'm I'm not going to live like this anymore, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's that's really powerful. Why don't you talk to us a little bit more about if if you have any understanding why emotional eating is so per, pervasive in society and and why it's so challenging?
1: Well, food is everywhere. We we need it to survive. It's not like um, alcohol or drugs or some of these other vices, um, you know, where where a lot of those modalities will seek abstinence or just abstaining from engaging in it. And that's how they experience their freedom. Um, Like, we don't have the privilege (laughs) as emotional eaters, we don't have the privilege of just abstaining from food because Mm -hmm. even if you don't bring certain foods into your home, it's only a matter of time before you show up at A party or someone's house or someone brings it into the office and, and like there you are face to face with like your compulsions and your triggers. So I think that's one thing. Um, The other piece that I really see from a professional perspective is that right now in our society, in our culture, emotional eating is kind of put into two extremes. It's either put with eating disorders, which are the more extreme side of the spectrum, like anorexia, bulimia, things like that. And and emotional eating can often be a part of those experiences, but um, it isn't the whole kit and caboodle. Um, technically emotional eating isn't considered an eating disorder. It's considered disordered eating. Um, so it's either put in or grouped into, oh, I have to wait for things to get worse before they get better kind of mentality, or it's grouped into, um, a very surface level of health and wellness. Um. And is often kind of grouped into trying to just control food or trying to um, like restrict or diet or some of those old school, um, just eat healthier and exercise more. And and that doesn't really touch emotional eating either. So I was really seeing that as I was um, going through my own journey and seeking help and And really kind of looking around and being like, where is the support for people like me who like know so much nutritional information, but just can't like can't find this freedom and peace with food that that I knew was possible. Um, And that's what really inspired me to create Escape from Emotional Eating to kind of fill the gap and to be that that middle road where you're like, I'm not going to go to an eating disorder clinic, that feels too extreme. And I also already eat um, healthy and I already move my body, um, but I still can't really feel um, in control of my relationship with food. And that's really the people that I serve are people who are really high functioning. Um, They really strive for excellence. They have a lot on their plate and, and they've been using food as a way to cope um, with just like the pressure and the overwhelm they experience in their life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely attest to that. Something that I have done over the years for sure, you know, because you're right. Like it's, it's always around. And then, there's so much media and stuff to, that pushes us in that direction as well. Um you know, we often see that whole like, oh, you've had a tough week, like maybe some ice mm-hmm. cream, right? Like there you know, there's so much marketing attached to that too even that that contributes I'm sure to that view of how how we can use food. Um you know, and I've certainly had many challenges over the years with restriction and then overindulgence. And then, you know, mm-hmm. as you're saying, emotional eating as well, as I'm sure many have. And so I can see it in myself. But how do others maybe know that they have an issue with emotional eating? Like, is there warning signs we can kind of watch out for or things that you would characterize as typical emotional?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people want to quantify it and the sneaky thing with emotional eating is is it's so nuanced and it's really personal. Um so it's it's it will vary from person to person and a lot of people, you know, they'll tell themselves like, "Oh, well I didn't eat 10 bags of potato chips. I just had one." Or, you know, I didn't eat 10 donuts, I just had five. Or, you know, they'll kind of try to have this mark around how much they ate as do I have a problem, don't I have a problem. But I really encourage people to look beyond that because... For me, I didn't have hundreds of pounds to lose. I already knew so much about health and wellness. Um, I really didn't fit the typical stereotype of an emotional eater. Like even looking at old pictures of myself, you really wouldn't know that I had issues with food. But I guess compared to how I look now, you would be now knowing like, oh, she had issues back then you would you would be able to see it, but it's so it's so hidden in in various ways. So I invite people to move beyond how much you ate and really look at why why are you eating and where is your connection to your physical body and your your body's natural uh, cues of hunger and satiation? Like, do you even know what those are? Are you connected to them? Are you overriding them? Um, but even taking it one step further, one of the ingredients that can be a sign that your, your relationship with food is a problem is this sense of powerlessness. So this can show up in saying to yourself, like, ah, oh, like I just can't control myself around fill in the blank, or you might find yourself saying, like, I can't figure this out. Like, why can't I figure this out on my own? These are just um, some examples of that powerlessness um, that I'm referring to. Another way the powerlessness will show up is like, let's say you're going through your day-to-day life, and you kind of get to the end of a of a hard, rough day, or week, or month, or even year, and you, you find yourself saying like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about this in life, so I might as well just eat, or there's nothing I can do, this day was hard, so let me just have that glass of wine, or Whatever it is. Um, So, those are all kind of hidden messages that powerlessness is present. Um, The other ingredient to know if you have a problem with emotional eating um, is a sense of self silencing. So, this is where instead of speaking up or saying something or activating change or expressing how you feel, or telling someone something, you will stuff it down, and then you will put food on top of it, and then you'll put more food on top of it, and more food on top of it, and you'll just keep holding it all in. Um, So powerlessness and self-silencing, these are two ingredients that are really at the core of a dysfunctional, dysfunctional relationship with food, and these are the people that I help.
0: That's really interesting. I haven't really heard that characterization around powerlessness and and self-silencing. I I think that's really interesting. And so how did you then move towards healing? Like you talked about doing a lot of reading, kind of digging into research, looking for connections with um, emotion and food. But like, what were some of the tangible changes that you made in your lifestyle?
1: So... One of the biggest, most pivotal steps that I made that really was like a a catalyst that changed everything for me, and it's going to sound so seemingly silly when I say it, but it really is the truth. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. But the, the very first step that like changed everything was... For me, accepting that I was an emotional eater, that really changed everything because I can tell you that for years, I was in denial that number one, I had issues with food and number two, that I was an emotional eater for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. Because in my mind, I thought emotional eaters looked like the people I saw on TV and these giant like weight loss shows and, and I wasn't experiencing it like that. And, um, I also, you know, like I'm, I'm a high achiever and I, I really do strive for excellence. And, um, I assumed that people with emotional eating issues were kind of sitting on their couch crying and that wasn't me. So um when I finally came to this like moment and realization of like wait a second I think I think I am an emotional eater. I think that's what this is and I think it's why it's never been healed. Um I that was such a pivotal moment for me. Um because then I could stop wasting my time thinking that I just had to eat healthier, I had to do another cleanse or, you know, working out twice a day, you know, I could reclaim my energy from those modalities and channel it to, okay, the problem is emotional eating. I need a solution. This needs to be solved. And it became so much more intentional. And therefore, I was receiving a higher return on my time, energy, and resources because because I accepted it and then because I was moving towards solutions specifically designed for my emotional eating. The second thing that I did, and this will be different um, for people today than when I experienced it, um, was the second thing that I did was I got support. And as I shared, like when I was looking around and, you know, looking for support that was right for me, it didn't exist. There wasn't this middle ground. It was either eating disorder clinic, overeaters anonymous, or just keep doing what you've been doing, which wasn't working. Um, so I had to cobble together um, support to like from various different sources to be able to support me enough to then be able to kind of fill in the gaps myself. Um, Now, like we have escaped from emotional eating. There is programs, they're proven. I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm a personal walking example of my work. I have many other clients who are the same Um, now there's just more resources. So like I often find myself saying like, gosh, like I wish this existed back when I needed it. Um, so I really do encourage people to reach out for help, um, you know, emotional eating and any kind of disordered behavior is sitting on a fundamental disloyalty to yourself, And this is why the why can't I just do this on my own doesn't really work, because you're essentially in a fight with you and yourself. So we need a third party, like we need someone to come in and call peace and call truce and show you the way out, because if not, it's really, really hard to Stop fighting yourself when you've been doing it for years with food. Um, then from there, um, there were more steps. Obviously, um, like I had to build a sense of emotional fitness. I had to untangle my physical hunger from my emotional hunger, and even know what those signs and cues were. I I had to kind of get into the mental aspects and stop eating what I call mental junk food. And there's like the whole steps and the whole path that I took is now the path I take my clients through. And it's also the step-by-step is available on my website for for further learning and um, if people want to know more. But I would say those beginning steps of just accepting I was an emotional eater, even though I looked very unique compared to the stereotype. And then number two, knowing that I wasn't going to do it alone. And even if I had to, like, you know, even if I had to spend my entire life trying to figure it out, I was ready and committed to do that because because I had that knowing that, like, yeah, this is just not okay, and I'm just not willing to live like this anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that acceptance part is really interesting. I mean, I think – from what I've heard, that is a big thing with like alcohol abuse and addiction as well, right? Where like when people finally see it, there's such a denial around any type of thing. So I could see some um, parallels there. But um, mm-hmm. that's really interesting about sort of admitting. And and I mean, I've had that to some degree, even around, you know, binge and restrict. Like you're sort of thinking like, oh, well, everybody does this. You know, sometimes you eat more, sometimes you eat less. And then it's like, eh, yeah, but you know, is this teetering on something else? And and so that awareness is huge. I wondered if you could explain how does your method and some of what you're talking about fit in with sort of this overarching move towards intuitive eating? Is it part of it? I mean, I have kind of a, a surface understanding of intuitive eating. We've done a couple episodes around it, but I know, I know there is some thinking where it's like, well, if you're eating for an emotional issue, maybe that's okay. You know, maybe that's what you needed Mm -hmm. that day. So how do you kind of balance those together?
1: Yeah. So there's just so many perspectives (laughs) when it
0: comes Mm -hmm. to
1: how you should be eating what you should be eating, like there's just so much confusion, right? One person saying one thing, another person saying, "Don't eat that." Um, so, what's really at the core of my work with my clients is connecting back with yourself um, and what is what is in integrity for you, because it's going to look different for every person, you know one person could be eating cheese just fine for an example. And for me, well, if I eat cheese, I will poop my pants. So like, so that is not fuel for me. Um, so I think it's really important that we take into consideration that we are not like, yes, we are human beings, but we are not one size fits all. And we are not um, one approach fits all. And And I really know that my work is not for everyone. Like I said, it's meant to be in this middle ground um, and not at the extremes. Um, I am not an intuitive eating coach, per se. Um, I would say intuitive eating is, if anything, can be seen as like a teeny tiny little piece of the bigger escape from emotional eating puzzle. In other words, intuitive eating is simply an approach to how you eat, but to really be free from compulsive eating, which is what emotional eating is, um, we have a lot more work to do. So then to address the, well, you know, eating for pleasure is good, and we should do that, and we should enjoy our food, and I totally agree with that with a caveat. First of all, we would never say to someone who has issues with alcohol, issues with compulsive shopping or issues with drugs, say, you know, a little shopping here and then isn't so bad. Or, you know, a glass of wine isn't so bad. Or, you know what? A little recreational drugs isn't so bad every now and again. Like we would never ever say that to someone who we know is struggling with those vices. So it really, (laughs) you could probably tell I'm getting like really Uh perturbed. Um, So it really, it just really gets to me when someone kind of groups it all together because they are failing to see that there are some people who do struggle in their relationship with food and something like that like something like well everybody does that or you know cookie like there's nothing wrong with cookies you are just gaslighting the person that has issues with food you're just like completely bulldozing them and um i believe instead we need to start to be curious about, you know, any information that we're taking in when it comes to our health and wellness, but particularly curious about our own experiences um, and really taking a clear look at, are you saying to yourself, I can't keep doing this anymore, yet you're still doing it? Um And the real differentiation between like what is healthy and what is emotional eating is what we're talking about is compulsion. Um, There's a difference between cravings and compulsion. Compulsion includes this um, sense of like, They have to follow through. They have to eat that thing or they have to have the drink or they have to like if they don't have the choice and that's what makes emotional eating um, disordered and dangerous to some extent um, because we don't have a choice when we are in the emotional eating cycle. It's like food trance is, is activated and the only way out is when we finish the thing. Someone who has a healthy relationship with food, they have a choice. They can say, you know what, I don't want this. Or they spit it out or they put it away or they walk away from it. They can take it or leave it. An emotional eater doesn't doesn't have that freedom yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective and distinction to try to help. And and I guess what I'm thinking, and I might be wrong in what I'm hearing, but like something like just focusing at a really high level on intuitive eating. I mean, you did mention, you know, you do do focus on listening to your body cues and things like that, but just kind of saying at a really high level Kind of to follow intuitive eating. Like maybe it's just not going to be specific enough for somebody that's struggling with the compulsion side of this. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Because for for my clients, intuitive eating is great until, um, you know, work blows up or something happens at home or, you know, like it's all fine and dandy when like all variables are controllable in life, but that's not life. Mm Um, and it's, and it's really, you know, how do we handle the, the hard times and ensuring it, that we do it where we're not destroying ourselves. And that's, that's what emotional eating is, is it is a self-destructive cycle. And I know because I've, I've lived it, I breathed it and I never, ever, ever want to go back to it.
0: Absolutely. And and you've done so much work to get there. I wondered if we switch gears just before we wrap up in terms of, are there any pieces of advice that you have for those of us who are raising children and maybe are hoping to kind of get ahead of this and instill like those really positive food, eating relationships in our kids if possible, you know, so that this cycle kind of doesn't continue. Any thoughts on how to do that?
1: I really believe that the best impact we can make on younger generations is to be a model for what we want for them. So I really believe that in order for the younger generations to be set up for success, we as the older generations and the adults, we got work to do. And um, I think it's really important, especially if you have children of your own. Um, you know, children are like sponges. They they know without even things being said. And I've had clients tell me that, um, you know, they've, and this was like at the beginning of our work together, that they found their kids being like, Oh, I'm so stressed. I just need to eat something, and that was when they like were like, "Okay, this is not okay." <laughs> like my kid is doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Um, so, I think first, you know, it's it really goes back to that acceptance and that curiosity, and looking at our own personal um, relationships with food, and being willing to do the work. Um, because sometimes adults can try to or want to control the younger generation because they they don't want them to like repeat what they did but it ends up being a denial or a distraction from the adult taking on or accepting responsibility for their own dysfunctions, if that makes sense. Um, so I really do believe it. It starts with us, and it starts with our generation. And um, because there's just so much that we can teach when when we've walked the walk and we've talked the talk and we've done the work. Um, it's so much we can teach. Much more than just spitting facts at a child, or <laughs> like, I think we all know that, like if we just get really factual about something, the kid's gonna tune us out. But if we can, you know, bring in that human element of it and personalize it, I think that's also important. And also, um, it really depends on the age of the child. Um there will be various stages where, Um, the adult does need to be more involved in and around food. And then there's certain times, especially as a child um, gets older and starts to individuate, I think it's important to have certain areas of the relationship with food that where the child is allowed to choose and to practice choice and to practice conscious choice um, within a, you know, within healthy boundaries. So, It's like it's such a big question for like the limited time we have. Um, But I would say that the like the best thing that we can do is that if you're listening and you know that you have issues with food, do the work. It's going to be not only for you, but really for your kids, because it gets passed down and it gets passed down. Even if you think you're doing it in secret, even if you think nobody knows, they know they know. So reach out, get help, be the change.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense about the modeling piece. Any other tools, advice, or thoughts that you want to leave listeners? Hmm.
1: Let me just intuitively connect in here for a second. Hold on. I think we really covered, um, you know, I think we really covered it. F- I feel pretty complete for now. Um, I would say if there's, you know, any additional information, especially about like the step-by-step that I took, um, all that information is on my website, escapefromemotionaleating.com. So I really do feel like we, we covered it. I think the only thing that I would want to leave everyone with would be, um, like, we we need you. Like, our world needs you desperately, especially the part that emotional eating steals. So whatever way you go, I hope you, you know, accept the challenge that emotional eating is real. It is a disordered experience, and it can change no matter how long you've been engaged with it. Um,
0: yeah. That's great. I think that makes a lot of sense and, and is very hopeful for people. So I know you just mentioned the com website. Are there any other places on social media or anywhere else online that you'd want listeners to connect with you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Um, that link is actually on my website, which would just be easier and better than trying to spell my last name because it's <laughs> And get confused with the mushroom. <laughs> the mushroom, <laughs> poor Sini, but I am pro Sini. Mm. Um, so you can go to my website for those links to socials. Um, if you're really looking to dig into your relationship with food, you can head over to innerwork.me. There is a wonderful quiz there. That'll help you identify which of the four roots of emotional eating is activated for you and it'll give you a great beginner's guide and beginner's kit to start getting started and in really letting go of that old approach of what you eat and really starting to look at
0: why you're eating. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, I will definitely check that out as well. Um, This has been great, Jessica. I really appreciated connecting with you. I think we've learned a ton about emotional eating and where we can find out more on your website. So I really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much to Jessica Prosini for talking with me this week about Escaping Emotional Eating. I thought it was a really interesting episode. It really got me thinking, looking at things a little bit differently. I find I have such an interest in intuitive eating and it can really be a challenge to try to pick apart what that means. And then what does that mean with regards to things like what she was talking about in terms of eating disorders? And how does that all come together? It's really um, a big topic. And it can be a lot to try to categorize in your mind and figure out how to find the path forward. So I really enjoyed digging into this a little bit more with her. If you do want to find out more more about some of her offerings. Again, check out her website escape from emotional Sounds like there is a lot on there that you can dig into and work with her, um, including some other links to where else to find her. So it sounded like that was the best place. And hopefully this has been interesting to you and helpful. Generally, if you are interested in topics that fit with what we do here on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, but you haven't heard me talk about it in a while or maybe dig into it at all, please let me know what you're interested in. I'm always looking to hear from listeners. I've had such great input over the past. So definitely you can email me at reallifeprojectcoco at gmail.com or reach out through Instagram at sarahladygluten. I'd love to hear from you or if even there's an episode that you liked a lot and you kind of think, oh, I'd like more of that, let me know. And of course, if you're listening, feel free to give me a review or a rating. I do see those as well on the podcast platforms and that can also in your comments help me to direct future episodes. So would love to hear from you on there as well. I hope everyone is doing well and we will connect soon. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at SarahLadyGluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore GlutenFreeLady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se hyphengerman.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi K O dot com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.